And this is True Crime New England, Case Profiles Edition. Yes, welcome back to another one of our many episodes. We are so excited to have you. This is the ninth installment of our Case Profile series. Katie, would you mind telling the listeners what these case profiles are about? Sure. So if you're new here, we started doing many episodes on case profiles where we take cases of people of color in New England and shed some light on them. Historically, especially in New England, these kinds of cases don't get a whole lot of attention, whether it's from police or the media, they're just very overlooked. So this is kind of our way to shed light and bring attention to these cases, even if it's in a mini episode format. Perfectly said. Historically, like, you know, New England, we're just so white. So this is our our mission to bring awareness. And... I would say it's going well so far. Yeah, we've gotten some really good ones, and we've gotten a lot of really important cases out there that otherwise we wouldn't have been able to cover at Mm. all, so I think it's really good. Yeah, and if even one person hears it, that's what matters the most, is that raising awareness. Mm -hmm. And differently from our big episodes, Katie and I switch off telling each other the stories. I do not know her story, she does not know mine, our reactions are genuine. We switch off, and today is the day that Katie starts. So would you mind telling me what you got? Sure. I will tell you and our listeners about the disappearance of Giovanna Crawford. Oh, okay. So I have a record-breaking amount of sources. Nuh-uh. I have four. Wow. Yes, which it's wild because it's still not enough to have done this in a full episode, but, you know, we're going to talk about it. It's going to be great. Right. I had Uncovered.com, International Missing Persons Wiki, The Charlie Project, and ConnecticutPost.com. Great. Giovanna Crawford was last seen on June 5th, 1981 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. She was 21 months old. Oh my god. Yeah, this is a missing baby. Oh shit. Giovanna lived with her mom, named Mary Corbin, at the P.T. Barnum Housing Project in the 80 block of Taylor Drive. Giovanna's mom, Mary, had left for work, and the plan was that Mary's boyfriend, Ronald Garrett, was going to watch Giovanna until Giovanna's great-grandmother, Mary Moales, could come get her. Okay. Not abnormal. Sure. Mary Moales lived in the same housing complex as Giovanna and Giovanna's mom, And because they could, like, look out their front door across the housing complex and kind of see each other, it was not super uncommon for her to babysit. Right. On the day Giovanna was last seen, June 5th, Ronald said that a young black boy with his hair worn in braids that appeared to be around 9 or 10-ish, maybe 11 years old, knocked on the door at about 10.20 a.m. Okay. The boy told Ronald that Giovanna's great-grandmother, Mary Moales, who, you know, she was supposed to watch, had asked him to bring the toddler to her house. Okay. Instead of thinking, okay, it's a red flag that I hand a 21-month-old baby to this 10-year-old boy, 
to somehow get across the housing complex. Yeah. No red flags went off. Hmm. Mary, the great-grandmother, said later that she had never met this boy in her life. Oh, she no. She never asked him to do anything. Right. She said, why would I ask a, ten- a child himself yeah. to be in charge of another child, even for just a second? Right. Why would I not just walk over and do it myself? It's the same complex. Exactly. Oh, Granted, it was a big complex, so it, you know, you're, you'd know you be walking through a big parking lot, and it's, sure. it's dangerous. Like, you yeah. can't just... You're not going to send a child with well, another... No. Okay. With that logic, you might as well say, oh, bye, Giovanna, go toddle across the parking lot and follow the sound of your name. Like, there's no logic. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Ronald was arrested days later for felony risk of injury to a minor because he gave the baby to the boy. Oh, he did it. Oh, he did. He hand- Yep. He He's saying he handed the baby over to this child. No more than 11 years old. He said... He claimed that he recognized this boy because he had seen him around in the neighborhood. Okay. So he thought a neighborhood boy he could trust with the toddler daughter of his girlfriend. Yikes. There's no logic. There's no logic. No. He served a year in prison. That's it? Yeah. Giovanna has not been seen since. Oh, and you said 81? 1981. We don't know where she is. Oh, my God. There is no evidence that the boy Ronald described even exists wow no one else is saying anything about oh yeah there is a a 10 to 11 year old boy with his hair worn in braids in this nobody's saying anything no everyone's like ronald what are you talking about dude and especially if the great-grandmother was like i do not know what you're talking about i did not speak to a child and did not definitely didn't say take my great-granddaughter she's an infant right how about you hold her hand and lead her over here no way No. Nope. Ronald has never changed his story, not once, and he maintains that he has nothing to do with the disappearance. Hmm. Giovanna's mom stated, quote, I have asked him, and he still keeps to the story of the 10-year-old with braids in his hair, but I know he had something to do with her disappearance because he has never shown any remorse or even asked if he could help find her. Ooh. Yep. That's pretty telling. Oh, yeah. Mary Corbin, Giovanna's mom, is still holding out hope that her daughter is alive. She said that she's inspired by the case of Carlina White, who's a woman, a grown woman, like Mm -hmm. in her 20s or 30s, who figured out that she was kidnapped as a baby Mm -hmm. and raised in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Wow. Carlina White was kidnapped out of a hospital, I want to say in Harlem, and was taken and raised in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and her kidnapper raised her as her own, and Carlina, as an adult, solved her own abduction. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So that's why Mary Corbin is still kind of holding out hope. I mean, it happens, I guess, right? Yeah. Poor thing. Giovanna was sometimes called Stacy, which is her middle name, so they're thinking maybe she wouldn't respond so much to Giovanna as she would Stacy. Okay. Her name has also been spelled... Jovana, so instead of J-O-V-A-N-N-A, it's spelled on some police reports and some missing persons reports as J-O-V-O-N-N-A. Okay. So there's kind of a a weird spelling situation going on. At the time of her disappearance, she weighed 30 pounds, Mm -hmm. and she was last seen wearing a blue and white jumpsuit. 
she has brown eyes and black hair, and her ears are pierced. Okay. Anyone with any information on the disappearance of Giovanna Crawford is asked to please call the Bridgeport Police Department. Their phone number is 203-576-7671. You could also call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Their phone number is 1-800-843-5678. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Yep. He 100% had something to do with it. 1,000%. Isn't that insane? You can't even trust your own boyfriend right. to watch your... Not even watch your child for a full day. Honestly. Watch your child for the morning until the great-grandmother, the elderly great-grandmother... Yeah. ...can take the toddler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 21 months old. Yep. And no one has any idea where she's at. No one has any clue. I mean, at this point, it would be best case scenario if she was abducted and 100%. raised as someone's child. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, with a toddler, too, like, that is so... Because you could. You could take a toddler and raise it, and they would have no memory of, oh, you're not my mom. They might be a little uncomfortable at first, but you right. could... That's very easily fixed with candy and hugs right. and toys. The kid will get used to you, and then it, mm-hmm. you could give the kid a whole new name, and they'll start responding to that whole new You could do right. whatever you want. Yeah. Wow. You, that's the scary part, is you could take a toddler and do whatever you want. That's very true and very, very horrifying. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's one of the most fucked up cases I've seen on our case profiles list, is yeah. an abducted little baby. I hope they find answers soon. Mm -hmm. That's 41 years? Yeah. Jeez. Poor baby. I know. And she's a cutie pie, too. We'll have a picture of her on our Instagram and our website. Mm. She's beautiful. Oh. Yeah. It's terrible. My my murder goes in a completely different direction. There are no babies involved. Good. It's in Connecticut. Okay. Which we get kind of excited when we have any that aren't in Massachusetts because that's where almost all of them are. (laughs) So mine takes place in East Windsor, Connecticut on February 28th, 2007, kind of bleeding over into March 1st. It was not a leap year, if you couldn't tell by the 2007 part. (laughs) So this is going to be the murder of Haved Akhtar, which I probably pronounced that wrong and inserted like a guttural sound at the wrong place but that would be my guess and there's nothing like there were no videos or like news reports about it where i could hear his name being spoken right so i think that's relatively similar and you guys will be able to see the spelling of his name on our instagram and our website and also the notes for this episode yes so On February 28th of 2007, it was just after 11 p.m., and police received calls of gunshots fired, as it always starts, and also a robbery taking place at 68 Depot Road in East Windsor, Connecticut. The place being robbed was called One Stop Convenience Store, and it was run by Haved Akhtar and his wife, Rafia Haved. So Haved and Rafia had owned the convenience store for just about three years, and they also had two little kids, little babies. So when the police arrived on the scene, and now it was like March 1st, they found Haved outside 
in front of the store and they had no idea how he got outside of the store because when the robbery took place, according to witnesses, he was inside and he had been shot in the neck. Oh, wow. Yes. So ambulances, of course, were called and the medics performed CPR on him and he was actually, he was still alive. When he was in the ambulance being taken to the Hartford Hospital, he was getting CPR and he was revived. So he did survive the initial wound and he was in critical condition. So he was brought to Hartford Hospital. So while he was in the hospital, his brother Muhammad took over the store and he would update friends and family and news reporters telling them how Haved was doing because he was still alive. He was in critical condition, but he was alive. And Muhammad said that Haved had periods of being able to breathe on his own, um, like getting off of the ventilator, but then ultimately like needing to go back on it and that his legs were paralyzed. And he also had one arm that was rendered useless. So this neck wound clearly did some damage to his spinal nerves, oh. and which is terrible. Oh God. And. One of those things, too, where an injury like that, even if you do survive, it's the quality of life is much lower. Um, it's more of like your mentality and how you choose to live your life and emotions and handle things after that point. The fact that he had three of his four limbs compromised was already showing to be a potential struggle. Unfortunately, a little over a week after he was shot, Haved died early in the morning and he was had still been in the intensive care unit in Hartford Hospital. And remember, he had two little babies. Awful. Wow. So, to this day, investigators are still trying to figure out what happened and how this, by all accounts, wonderful, hardworking man got shot. It sounds like it was a robbery gone violent. There was witnesses who called in the gunshots that said um, they saw two or three men running out of the store after like loud bangs. So police believe that he probably was chasing the robbers out of the store and was shot out there. Or maybe he was shot inside and then managed to get outside. Yeah. And then, so, which is awful and also very brave of him to chase people with guns. Wow. And obviously who had very negative intentions. According to the detective working the case at this time, his name was Sergeant Michael Hannaford. He said there was no money and no items taken from the store. What the hell? So it was like, Ooh, okay, why were they there? Was this a hit? Then they were kind of thinking maybe they intended to commit larceny, burglary, all that stuff. And then it ended up being botched and turning into oh, a murder, essentially. The only information that the police have to give um, for people to be on the lookout, two or three black men driving a red Ford Mustang or a black sports utility vehicle. And that's it. That's all oh, they have. Oh, come on. There was no CCTV or anything like that. And this was in 2007? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm really so Wow. At least if there was, it wasn't usable. Like, they couldn't oh. see, you know? So there was nothing. Anyone with information is encouraged to call the police department in charge of this case, which is, oh, all they, I don't even have a phone number. There's no area code, so I can't tell you. What? Okay. Why? Okay. 
I'll give you guys the number anyway. I don't know the area code, but it is East Windsor, Connecticut. So it's 292-8240. And my sources today for this case involve the Hartford Current and the Journal Inquirer. And that's the very awful and unnecessary and tragic murder of Haved Akhtar. Wow. Yeah. I, I do wonder if it was a robbery gone wrong, because you know how you said, well, I guess it's not common knowledge and adrenaline really takes over, but if you're ever involved in a robbery mm-hmm. or like a holdup, you hand them over everything, you yeah. do what they say. But if that's his store, yeah, he's not going to hand over his livelihood to these people. He's going to defend right. what is his. I, I fully see where he's coming from. That's a really good point. It is his wow. livelihood. Awful stuff. Very sad. His poor family, too. I know, and his little children. What an awful way to go. Yeah. And like I said, he was very well respected and known to be very hardworking. He got his family to that point. So, mm-hmm. awful. But yeah, so those are our case profiles for this installment of the mini episodes, episode nine. If you guys know of someone personally, or you know of a case or have heard of one about a person of color in New England who was murdered, abducted, whatever, and they don't have a lot of media attention, please send that case our way. We would love to cover it, whether it be out loud or on Instagram. Yes. So whatever you guys can do. Definitely let us know, and we'll talk about it, and we'll give you a shout-out. Yes, 100%. You can email us, truecrimeany at gmail.com. We have a website, truecrimeany.com. Our Instagram, truecrimeany. No surprise there. No, that was pretty pretty straightforward. (laughs) But yeah, you guys can contact us any way that is convenient for you. Carrier pigeon. Yes, we do. I I love animals snail mail you know whatever you guys got to do but yeah we just we really want more of these cases so we can keep on covering them absolutely and with that we'll see you on thursday bye goodbye